everybody. Welcome to B.O. Boys for Monday, August 16th. Fuck it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Clayton, last week we had a very special guest. The The internet, I don't want to say it broke, but it was, it was hurting last week after we had Forbes box office legend Scott Mendelson on as a guest. If you haven't listened to that, what do you do and go back and listen to it? But... God, the, the hit parade never stops because we have another very special guest, a returning champion, the creator of the original box office mojo, the one that you remember, that the one that you love, not the one now, but the creator of box office mojo, Brandon Gray is here. Brandon, thanks for joining us once again. Thank you for having me again. Glad to be here. So, Brandon, when you were on, I think it was probably early spring... And we were talking movies. We talked about, of course, the history of Box Office Mojo. So everyone, if you didn't hear that episode, go back and listen to that. We cover a lot of Brandon's backstory there. But you were talking about how you've been itching now to get back into the game, to get back into the box office. And just just before we, we, we plow through this weekend's top five, has this summer's box office increased your appetite for for getting back into the box office game is it is it hotter than ever wow what a question uh yeah i mean this is really whetted my appetite i mean this whole this whole situation i mean we are at uh a crossroads here about in the industry i mean this unprecedented thing that's happening around the world obviously but also in the movie industry uh, with this combination of box office and streaming, how we're going to move forward. So I, I'm excited because, you know, quite frankly, before all this, the box office was, you know, kind of getting kind of stale, a little rote, you know, the same mm-hmm. old, same old. But now we got some excitement, like, you know, getting all these good data points every week to see how we're, how the, how we're going, how we're flowing into the future. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yes, I'm excited. And you know, we're going to plow in a second, Clayton. You're you're itching to plow. But oh, last no. week, Scott Mendelson talked about how, you know, the, the big thing that we're all going to have to figure out is you got box office, you got Streamo, you got PVOD, all this stuff. How do we bring those data points together into something worthwhile that really measures these movie success? And I'm just throwing it out there. Brandon Gray, original creator of Box Office Mojo. It's a, it's something that that needs to be done, and I know you got a lot of projects going on, a lot of balls in the air. But just saying, someone's got to do it, and the guy who came up with Box Office Mojo, that that might be the one. That that's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. It needs to be done. Uh, so Clayton, are you ready to plow? Well, real quick, I was gonna plug. So we plugged last uh, show. At the end of the show, we talked about Brendan's new Clubhouse group that I was able to pop in on, not this past Sunday, unfortunately, Brendan, sorry, I was doing some other stuff, but no problem. the Sunday before, and do you want to tell our audience a little bit about Clubhouse and what makes it so cool about talking about box office on there? Wow, uh, yeah, great, well, thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I got invited to Clubhouse by one of the executives there, and he was a big box office fan, so he wanted to be on it, and so I... St- so I began, I'm kind of like in a pilot phase of a show. So kind of testing the waters, you know, dipping the toe in there, 
you know, uh, kind of like what I did originally with the, the Mojo site. I dipped it in tow with like a college website, you know, a .edu initially. So that's what I'm doing here. So we, we got this thing called the Box Office Revival. And uh, we're doing it every uh, Sunday and maybe sometimes impromptu episodes also as the news breaks. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I called it Box Office Revival because that's what we're, you know, we're feeling revived by what's going on here. We can, we can make this... Uh, box office a thing again and it again not just theaters but the streamers as well we all we mix them up and uh yeah it's exciting we got uh the audience is it's it's growing uh but clubhouse is a just a totally different vibe than what i'm used to uh it's actually my first social media experience i have like zero (laughs) presence on social media i've been totally avoiding it but i like this notion of the audio it's kind of the live podcast that people can chime in on the only problem is as uh, uh, clayton found out is that sometimes it can go on and on and on i mean yesterday i was on there for uh, like eight hours but uh you know oh, that's great <laughs> but i had a- I, I i i love that because that just shows how much there is to talk about in box office yeah you, yeah we had lots of track people. of a day yeah i mean i was i was it's like hit or miss, but uh, yesterday we got a ton of people, and I plan to to grow it. If it if it's uh, if the pilot works out, then I can bring in guests uh, and uh, more guests. I mean, uh, I, obviously, I hope to have you guys on there. That'd be awesome. And but uh, just you know, uh, just something. Everyone's getting excited about the movies again, and 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 it was it was a niche that needed to be uh, scratched on Clubhouse, and I think that's why they brought me in and. Uh, and I'm excited, you know. Hey, this is my social debut. Uh, I, you know, your podcast was actually my first podcast. So wow, so uh, this is amazing. Yeah, so just coming back out. Yeah, so we first started with the charts and words and stuff. But you know, maybe maybe uh, let's try out this voice thing for a change because uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not ready for prime time in other respects. <laughs> I I love it. I I mean, obviously, me and Clayton love the whole voice thing and. Clayton, I know, has been there to hang out. I've had some busy Sundays recently, just some birthday stuff, and people want to celebrate me, all that kind of thing. But I'll just throw it out there. This coming Sunday on Clubhouse, on Box Office Revival, Pat of the B.O. Boys might just be stopping by. So let's, let's, you know, let's just throw that out there. That would be, we'd have, we'd be honored to have you there. And uh, yeah, I'm going to do my best to bring in an audience for you. Very exciting. Listen, I'll, I'll I'll just talk at a wall if it's about box office. So people <laughs> being there is just going to be a plus. But Clayton, I think it's time to plow through this past weekend's top five. The weekend of, this was the weekend of August thir- Friday, August 13th, right? Yes. Yes. All right. Lucky August 13th. So I'm going to make this the fastest plow ever. I'm always trying to top my personal best. So here we go. Number one, Free Guy, $28.3 million in its first weekend to take number one. Number two, another newbie, Don't Breathe 2, made $10.6 million in its first weekend. Number three, Jungle Cruise, $9.1 million, down only 42%. It's losing some theaters. It's lost about 410 theaters, but it is standing at wow. $82.2 million in its third frame. Number four, another newbie, Respect, $8.8 million in its first weekend. And number five, a big, big, big drop. 
Wow. The Suicide Squad. $7.4 million for a 71% drop. It added 17 theaters. $42.6 million in its second weekend. And that is your top five. Oof a doofa, that Suicide Squad drop. Um, I mean, I know we're going to be talking a lot of Free Guy. Just touch on Suicide Squad. I mean, obviously we talked about last week how that was a bomb. Is anyone surprised at the 71% drop? I feel like Clayton and I, last week, you and we both... said 70. We both predicted 70. I mean, Brandon, let's just get your quick thoughts on Suicide Squad and, and what it has ended up doing. I mean, this movie now is at a total of 42 million. So there is a, I mean, it probably will go above 50, but that's about it. You're going to look at a Suicide Squad movie that will not top 60 domestic. Um, if it doesn't top, were you surpri- uh, if it doesn't yeah. top 60, it won't even top the first day of the first Suicide Squad. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's just another thing that Will Smith's management could put onto a PowerPoint when they're, you know, putting out his contract offer for his next movie is that his first day of a Suicide Squad outpaced the entirety of the Suicide Squad. Wow. Um, Yeah. I mean, not much to say with that. People just didn't want this movie and they really don't want it anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. As we, as we're seeing with, Free guy doing well. If people want to see the film, they'll see the film. Yes. Yes. You guys so um, thoroughly dissected or autopsied Suicide Squad last week. <laughs> uh, so you, you, you pretty much brought it home there as to why. And this drop off was not unexpected. Uh, but after mulling on it a little bit further, I mean, obviously, the no Will Smith, no Joker, of course, who's the biggest movie star in the world, the Joker, mm-hmm. uh, that all mm-hmm. impacted the first, the, the, the opening, the, the lack of love for the first movie, you know, that sequel curse uh, that you talked about last week, that that always has an impact. But a couple of other things that occurred to me as well, they didn't have a strong villain. And what you need in a superhero movie is a very clear, strong villain or threat. It only had the they're dying to save the world slogan and and the notion of a suicide squad. But there was nothing about a a clear message to potential audiences what the heck was going on here. And uh, Yes. and, And the other thing too, and then after you see the movie and what might be responsible partly for if there is mixed word of mouth is that... Uh, and also why they may, they might have had trouble marketing it is the fact that it feels like a kid's movie that has had a bunch of curse words added to it and gore added to it and uh, maybe some other adult material added to it. But it's it's fundamentally could be a kid's movie if they just took that layer off of it. And I think when people are seeing this, there's some maybe some disconnect as to what what your what's the silliness of what's being presented, the childishness of what's being presented versus the hard R aspects of it. Not that I, I don't, I'm not one of those R rating people though. I don't believe that really hurts things, but, but in this case, mm-hmm. this, that, that aspect is basically a kid's movie. If you take out the, the, those curse words and gore effects. Yeah. It's G- yes. James Gunn has a very sophomoric type of sense of humor. He has done children's films with the Scooby-Doo films. So it is a very much like a Scooby, a dirty Scooby-Doo. Because you can yes. see elements in his his other movies that are that way, and you're you exactly nailed it on the head. It's am I supposed to? Is this for middle schoolers or is this of just 
brazen filth, and it just is this weird tone to it, which I love. I mean, I love the tone of it, but I could see that tone being off-putting to the mass audience. Yeah, it is. It's a. It's a. It's tough to reconcile for like a college kid, you know, who's like, oh, there's a cute talking shark, but then the shark, the shark says motherfucker. So it's like, who is this for? Who is that? You know, that's a great, that's a great point. It's not just the R rating. It's the R rating on like a very cartoony kids seeming movie, which now to jump to the big story of the week, Free Guy at number one, that's something that Free Guy got right because Free Guy is what PG or PG 13. Whereas you could see there, especially with, you know, Deadpool himself, Ryan Reynolds is a star there's an R-rated version of Free Guy that a studio could have went with, that they could have been like, oh, video game, it's like a a GTA-type video game, we're going to make this a hard R, and that would have been a mistake. So, Clayton, set us up. Let's get your thoughts first on Free Guy number one, this big Ryan Reynolds video game, comedy action movie original ip which we've been hearing a lot you know in, in in different people talking about the success of free guy this is not based on anything it's an original ip movie that opened number one 28.3 million dollars i guess i'll go around to both of you is this a clear success are we all celebrating the opening weekend of the number one movie free guy uh, well, I will say that launching a new IP, launching an original film like this is very difficult. I didn't have high hopes for this film. Of course, mm-hmm. I want all films to succeed because that helps the box office, you know, rising tide lifts all boats, something right. like that. Right. And we're a boat out there, too. So we want to be lifted. We want to be lifted. Please lift us. And yep. so... This, I think, is a success for Ryan Reynolds Mm -hmm. because people have said he's just Deadpool. Now, I know he's he's made himself a star on social media over the the, uh, you know, COVID. He was putting out some content that people liked. But But this was, I think, our text. Yeah, exactly. But I think this is our first indication that he can carry an original film himself mm-hmm. that is, he's got that same cynical uh, sense of humor, but it's not hardcore Deadpool. Like, he definitely yes. has separated himself to, like, we know what Ryan Reynolds is. That's his sense of humor. That's his kind of persona. But to be able to morph that into this more family friendly uh, arena, I think, is promising. I am not completely sold that 28.4 is Buffa Bobo, seeing as how this is a, what, $100 million film. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about last week how these budgets have to, to shrink because this is, you know, people are trumping this as a success, success. I think it is, but the money's not backing that up in the way that it needs to in order this for this movie to, like, make a lot of money. Right. For the studio. I mean, the thing is, this movie opening at 28.3 is definitely really good for the movie theaters. Because one thing to keep in mind is the cost of the movies affects whether the studio's profit. The cost of the movies does not affect the theaters. To them, it's how much are they paying rent? 
does the price of popcorn and butter go up? True. So, so I, I get what you mean. Like for the studios, they need to figure out how to make money off of these movies if the ticket sales are not going to be as high. But for the theaters, this was a good, I think, big reassuring weekend because a lot of people came out to see this movie. So Brandon, where are you on the opening weekend of Free Guy? Is this a huge success or just a relief? I think it's fine. I mean, it's a fine opening. I I, I, I separate the what the studio profits are because I, I don't know all that Hollywood accounting. You never know what's making money or making not or not making money on that front. But in terms of audiences and theaters, yeah, I think plenty of people went to see this picture, especially given all the the pandemic stuff going on and uh, the fact that it is you know Ryan Reynolds who has been so inconsistent at the box office, basically only known as Deadpool, but he also mm-hmm. had Pokemon. Detective Pikachu, where he was the voice and had a brief on-screen appearance. This seemed to be in the vein of Pikachu. So he did kind of lay the groundwork mm-hmm. with Pikachu. And I think kids, because kids don't care about our ratings, I I don't know who really cares about the ratings, but kids would want to see Deadpool, but their parents never let them see Deadpool. But now they can see Free Guy. And it's got... Right. It's right in his lane, his, his kind of sense of humor. It's right in his lane. It almost... I know they are saying it's original IP, but... It's a, the kind of original IP that doesn't feel like original IP. It feels like it's based yeah. on something. Uh, and it's and it's definitely based on uh, just kind of video game culture in general or what video games are like. I don't know. I don't play video games. So you guys can tell me <laughs> how uh, accurate it is to the video game world. We, we don't play video games either. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't played very much video games since Nintendo 64. Mm. So that is, you know, not to date me, you don't know how old I was when I played that. I could have played that in the womb. So, you know, don't don't judge my age based on saying right. I haven't played since well, Nintendo 64. I'll, I'll one up you there uh, or two up you there. I don't even know what cuz I don't keep track of it, but I stopped at Super NES. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So so for basically for all of us free guy riffing on video game culture. It's not our video game culture necessarily. So we can't say how accurate it is. But I yeah, I agree. It's it is original IP, but to your point, Brandon, it seems like it's one of those ideas that has been out there. You know, it's a mix of stuff like the Matrix and, you know, definitely an idea that is original, but is an original idea that feels very familiar. But I think yeah, the Ryan Reynolds part of it is this is a very pure movie star vehicle you know this is very old-fashioned he he drove this to success with his engagement with the fans and also with people's wanting to see him in this film that that's that's showing that he is a star more than i personally thought he was Yes. He's a yes. star in a certain kind of movie because obviously it did not work too well with the hitman's wife's bodyguard. But this is his lane. This is his angle. And uh, and and what, did he tweet that they might be a sequel? So, I mean, a lot of people sampled this movie and I think that's the best you can expect in this current box office revival we're going through. So I think, I think mm-hmm. that's what's important. And this actually had a higher grossing opening than Pixels. So there's that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it it's funny, Brandon. Also, you mentioned confidence. Confidence being a big uh, deal when it comes to this film is that it's showing that there are there's a segment of the population, the eighteen to thirty fours, who are confident to go back to the movies because 
Free Guy was 50%, 18 to 34. And they were confident that they are going to go back to the movies. They are, they are not afraid. And so, you know, just as our economy is based on confidence, the box office is based on confidence as well. And I think that's a good way for us to now start judging these films and what it shows for the confidence of the theater goer. And I think if we're talking about confidence, this opening showed that Free Guy and theaters have a lot of confidence right now. Like, There's a certain segment that is not afraid to go back, and that is a strong indicator of strength and success. Um, one thing about... Were there any things to pick up on in the way Free Guy played this weekend? Because one thing about it is this movie was very well-reviewed, and, and audiences seem to like it a lot. And I think a, a good sign is that it seemed to... Did it build over the weekend? I'm looking for the daily. It, it built. It built on Saturday. Yes, it which did. Which is good because that shows good word of mouth. So if you take out the Thursday, mm-hmm. if you take out the Thursday previews into the Friday, then Free Guy was plus twenty four percent on Saturday, and then I'm I'm assuming because I'm not looking at the numbers exactly, but I'm assuming it did swoon a little bit on Sunday, but that is per the course yeah yeah it looks like it dropped 27 percent on sunday but yes the saturday fridays and saturdays are always bigger than sunday people got to go to church sometime exactly and it's usually sunday so yeah i i mean i think a you know opening weekends are of course the 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 bread and butter of box office analysis and you know everyone that's what everyone gets jazzed about but the thing with free guy is going to be the rest, it's got a pretty clear lane these next few weeks where there isn't anything big opening again until Shang-Chi, which is what, Labor Day weekend. So it's got the rest of August to really build on that word of mouth. And, you know, we, we've seen August is a month where that could happen. You could have Movies like Crazy Rich Asians and, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy and Sixth Sense back in the day. Like, movies could really own the month and have some good holds. So, I think that's going to be huge for free guys. Do we think this is the type of movie that could have maybe some of the better holds other than old, a.k.a. hold, that we have seen this summer? I mean, it's it's... We um, what, what didn't we get an email about the comedies in August? Yes, I will go to that right now. So we got an email from a bo boy Austin, uh, who said, of course, started by talking about how we love last week's show and Scott Mendelson, one of his longtime heroes. So he was so excited to hear last week's podcast. So Austin, glad you enjoyed that. Seeing legends come together. So he did have this great point where uh, he talked about how this movie, Free Guy, keeps up the somewhat long tradition of comedies doing really well in the mid-August slot. So some of the ones he mentioned were Good Boys in 2019, Crazy Rich Asians 2018, Ryan Reynolds' Hitman's Bodyguard 2017, Sausage Party, a somewhat forgotten $100 million hit in 2016, Let's Be Cops, which legged it out to Clayton. Was it like around $80 million? 
that Let's Be Cops got to in I could double check, but I think it was something crazy high like that. And then, of course, were the Millers in 2013, which got over $100 million. So I guess, Brandon, do you want to talk about where Free Guy fits into this August, mid-August comedy slot where these movies are, you know, open well, but then the main thing is they are pretty leggy. You're right. August is a great month for comedy. I mean, the numbers show it. Uh, so your, your, your listener, Austin, uh, yeah, thanks, yes. thanks for bringing that up. Because, that, yeah, the, I mean, Free Guy is going to run free this whole month and into, potentially into, into September, especially after this opening. I mean, it's probably going to be, not to get too far ahead, it's, I assume it's going to be number one next weekend. And uh, the, it, what else is there for people to see, for families? For, I mean, this is the kind of movie people yes. want to see. And you, you have that in this sweet spot of August. It's going to run right through it. And, and especially, I know that the market's a little jumbled here with all the release dates. I mean, we have Shang-Chi, the first, like, I guess, real major movie opening on Labor Day. Uh, so, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, I mean, Free Guy, man, they, they're they very well positioned. That's a good call, Austin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Free Guy potentially, you know, is number one the weekend of the 13th. It potentially could be number one the weekend of the 20th. And, I mean, it's a little further out, but 27th is Candyman weekend. So, who knows? I mean, I would think Candyman will finish up number one the weekend it's out. But the free the thing about Free Guy is it was a really good movie, really well-reviewed, really well-liked. And it may become a story. You know, its success potentially could become a feel-good box office story these next few weeks and people love to be part of a success we talk about that a lot they love to be part of a feel-good story so audiences may get swept up in the fact that free guy is this original ip that is doing really well at what was a tough time for the box office you know you want to tell your kids hey free guys getting a lot of good notice in the trades bo boys are talking about it brandon was on the bo boys Everyone's saying how it overperformed. It's original IP. Let's go see it. And the kid is like, sure, why not? I mean, he doesn't have a choice. He doesn't have a choice. So that <laughs> that kid is, he's he's irrelevant to the outcome. You know, he's just there along for the ride, but he is a ticket. He's a ticket. That's why he's important is because he is a ticket. Yes. So real quick, let's be cops, 82 million domestic, if you can believe it. Wow. Wow, so interesting how that movie did not turn uh, Damon Wayans Jr. or Jake Johnson into any kind of relevant uh, movie stars or even, you know, leads in something else. Uh, it's, yeah. It, it, it's a real forgotten 82 million domestic. It's it's flummoxing. But yeah. also just real quick, because Austin, we just mentioned him, the previous episode that we he we also talked about an email that he sent with the R rating, with the Suicide Squad, and having to bring a Guardian, he also had that yes. idea as well. So we didn't say his name last last uh, week, but we are saying your name this week. So Austin, thank you so much, and keep it up with the great emails. Yep. So now, anything else on Free Guy, Clayton? I think you you were about to say. No, I just think that like we were saying, this he's going to run free in August. This is a theater exclusive, which is great. There's no other yep. place to see this other than maybe a cam, a bad cam, 
mm-hmm. shots bootleg on uh, you know uh, you find on the street, which is inferior to what you can find in the theaters. So I think we're going to see some good business for this movie. So what are we thinking drop wise? Are we thinking in the forties for this? Is that too low of a drop? Drops have I mean, been big. We have not seen. I mean, we have not seen a first weekend to second weekend drop that has been anywhere near that low. I mean, even something as well liked as A Quiet Place Part Two, I think had a drop in maybe the high fifties. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is as well liked as a as a hit movie has been this summer. You know, yeah. and Old has had some awesome holds you know that hence the nickname hold but even that's drop from weekend one to weekend two has been pretty big so i guess brandon what do you think do you think free guy has an has a chance to actually show us a really old-fashioned great hold into the second weekend it definitely has the potential but even if it still drops 50%, it's going to level off after that. I mean, that's what we usually see, and this one has the freedom to leg out after that second weekend. So uh, I guess one factor, maybe a modest factor, but, you know, this past weekend, AMC offered a 1,000 bonus points if you go see Free Guy. Are they going to do that in the second weekend? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, still, even if it drops 50%, I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Interesting. So, uh, and I love that because AMC is gamifying the experience of seeing this video game movie. Very smart. Um, so, yeah, do, yeah. Or sorry, Pat, were you going to talk go more for about? It. Go for well, it. Well, do we want to talk about Don't Breathe too? Let's do it. Yeah. So, so Clayton, w- recap. What's the number on Don't Breathe? So, well, Don't Breathe. Don't Breathe too. I mean, came in at ten point six. So, also. It did open in, in only 3,000 theaters. So to give you an idea, Free Guy opened in 4,165. So mm-hmm. it was a wide release, but a less of a wide release. Although it doesn't really matter that much with horror movies. They can over-index. This did fine. I mean, obviously the first one opened to 26 million. It was a sleeper hit. Looks like this one is not as beloved no. They they have made him the protagonist. I haven't seen the film, but I've seen it. I've heard enough reviews that they've made the um, "Don't Breathe" guy the protagonist. A lot of people are pushing back on that. Yeah, I haven't seen the film, so I don't know the quality of it. I don't know how well that's done, but it seems like it did a little bit more than they expected it to do, but not much. So I just don't really know how to read this. I think it depends on what the budget is. Let's check and see what the budget is. For I think it was like around 18 mil budget. And and just to clarify, when we say Don't Breathe Guy, who they've made the protagonist in part two, the original Don't Breathe was about a couple of teenagers who rob a house and they're, you know, down, they're down on their luck. And the guy whose house they're robbing is a, a blind old man who also is... Uh, sort of like special forces or whatever. And then later we find out, you know, he's a sex offender and he uses a turkey baster filled with jism in, in ways that you you shouldn't. And Is there a way you should use it? I guess there's one way you should use it. Yeah, so there's, so, you know, there's, there's fertility doctors who, I don't know if they're using turkey basters, but there's definitely turkey baster-like 
uh, tools filled with jism that they use in a correct manner. The, the don't breathe villain uses it in an incorrect manner. He's the villain of the first movie. He seems to be the protagonist of the second movie. So I understand the drop here from the first movie's opening weekend to the second movie's opening weekend. I mean, to me, the big thing is that first movie has a very clear hook. What if these robbers go into the wrong house because it's a blind guy who's, you know, so good at his other senses that he's like a, a, a an amazing killer? You know, whatever. That's a hook. Second movie is like, what if that turkey baster with jism villain is now hanging out some more? You know, so I get that. So, Brandon, what do you think about this opening weekend for Don't Breathe 2? Do you understand why this movie opened lower than the first? Or were you surprised that Turkey Baster villain didn't have a bigger uh, opening weekend? Uh, not surprised. It's perfectly natural for this uh, type of movie to drop off like that. Uh, the first movie actually uh, predated A Quiet Place. Uh, instead of uh, aliens, you had a turkey baster guy that, that you had to be keep quiet for. So it had the same kind of uh, horror theme of don't breathe, don't make a sound, otherwise he's going to get yes. you. Yes. Now, in one case, he's getting you with a turkey baster. In the other case, he's they're ripping you to shreds, the aliens. But uh, so yeah, don't breathe. That's which is a- which is worse? Which is worse? That's something that movie audiences just probably don't want to ponder. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. They, and they clearly prefer the quiet place, the more sanitary, more you know, child-friendly uh, version with a quiet place. Yeah. So very mm-hmm. bizarre to make your your uh, bad guy into kind of like the Liam Neeson role. So so yeah. But yeah, ten point six. Yeah, fine, whatever. It's a it's a knock. I mean, it's just a, another horror sequel. They they are hit and miss. Uh, drop off maybe a little bit steeper than Escape Room to mm-hmm. Escape Room Two, uh, just to give some props to Escape Room Two for having a little bit better retention versus the previous movie. But uh, other mm-hmm. than, other than that, you know, same old, same old. Yeah, because Don't Breathe One opened at twenty six million, so that 26. is a huge. Huge drop-off. I mean, that first movie's opening weekend was so far beyond expectations at the time. Yes. And, yeah, that is a great comp there, Brandon, with the Quiet Place franchise and the Don't Breathe franchise because Quiet Place, they, I guess, made the right choice where they didn't come back with a sequel where the sound monsters are now the heroes. They kept Emily Blunt as the heroes, whereas Don't Breathe... They did switch it to the villain with the turkey baster of Jism is now the hero. So you got to score this one as a smart move by John Krasinski. Um, He didn't turn the sound monsters into the the protagonist. So it's smart. Now we're seeing the numbers prove that to be correct. And he he kept Jism out of the first film because he knew that it wouldn't play in the second film. Yes. So as much as he was thinking, what if I did put Jism in a quiet place, he resisted the temptation in order to make it a franchise. I don't know if Don't Breathe is going to be a franchise now because of that. Yeah, yeah. Every, yeah. everyone knows you don't bring Go in the Jism to like the ninth movie, so. Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, well, listen, those Friday the 13th movies, we're still waiting for them to finally pull the trigger on that. But Jason has been jism-free with all of those sequels and those reboots and sequels to reboots. Um, yeah, Don't Breathe 2, it, again, I think this is a good number for probably what the level of this movie is, what it cost. As far as it being a franchise, 
probably not theatrically anymore. You know, I'd be surprised if there's a Don't Breathe 3 that gets a theatrical release, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are five more Don't Breathe movies that find homes on a streamer or straight to video. You know, I think this old blind guy with the jism turkey baser he's not going to be the jigsaw killer he's not going to get all these theatrical releases but i think he'll get more adventures oh yeah yeah. what what about an animated series because remember back in the day where they had a robocop animated series and they had a toxic avenger animated series and a rambo animated series that might be something to bring back so you're uh, there's got to be a streamer that would have a don't breathe animated series and I'm sure there's a category on Netflix. I mean, if you like turkey basters, they got to fill that one up. There's an algorithm. Yeah, the algorithm yeah. knows everything. So I definitely think that that's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, I could see this getting recommended heavily to those who've just finished Great British Bake Off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's. I, I think my prediction is, I agree with you, Brandon, this is going to have a nasty drop next weekend i mean this could go from 10.6 to next weekend making three or four million dollars um but don't breathe guy i haven't seen this movie i don't know if he's alive or dead either way i think he will get another adventure maybe not another theatrical movie but he will he will breathe again so can we move on real fast to respect the other new film that dropped in the top five. Do we have any respect for respect? $8.8 million opening weekend. It had a higher per theater average than, uh, oh, I was going to say it it has a lower theater per theater average, even than don't breathe too. Um, I've got a little respect for it. You know, I mean, I feel like, This movie in this August slot, what are the comps for this movie? I guess it is... It's a biopic, musical biopic. Musical biopic, and we did have Straight Outta Compton was a August release as far as musical biopics. I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody was the fall. Rocket Man was a few summers ago. Probably Get On Up, I mean, the, the James Brown movie. Yes. Was that a summer movie when yeah. it came out? August. It opened to 13.6. So. Yeah. So, I mean, there is precedent for it makes sense to put, you know, these flashy musical biopics in the summer. I, I could have seen a world where this did better than it did. I mean, Jennifer Hudson is obviously not a... Uh, movie star but she's sort of she's such a famous name she's an oscar winner and this is such a home run slam doink part for her to play aretha franklin there is definitely a world in which this could have opened yeah like closer to 13 to 15 million dollars but i mean we none of us were feeling that it just didn't feel like it had that buzz going in it's it's not a oscar awards film it doesn't feel like so that's one of the things that's kind of working against it is that if this isn't going to win awards why am i watching it uh-huh I, I think for the casuals for the people who would want to see this film because of who that person was is skewing a lot older than is showing up at the theater right now 
right? The yes. people who remember Aretha Franklin, we all remember, obviously, Aretha Franklin. She is uh, the queen of soul. She's awesome. She's a talent, uh, one, in, one in a lifetime talent, but she's not one of our guys. Right, 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 right. We're one of our, The way Freddie Mercury is one of our guys. Yeah, she's um, not one of our guys. And I think that's, that's one of the things that, th- this was an older skewing movie and they're just not going to the theaters right now. Yeah, I mean, this movie, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, we, we rarely talk about them. We You know, we're not a review show. But to your point, Clayton, of this type of movie needing to have Oscar buzz to really propel the box office, it is only at 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. So this is not a, you know, well-reviewed movie. It's definitely not a critically lauded movie where the critics are saying, you got to see this. She's going to be up for Best Actress. This is a dark horse for Best Picture. It's so far from that that, yeah, it really comes down to who are the fans of Aretha Franklin. And the fans of Aretha Franklin are my mom and older. And right now they're not rushing to the theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably not fair to compare to like Straight Outta Compton, which has like more of an action element, a, you know, a gritty, mm-hmm. maybe crime element, just uh, maybe more something more exciting for the kids to see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, mad respect for Aretha Franklin. One of the, I mean, uh, so, I mean, this is a solid, I mean, I think this is fine. Uh, Mm 8.8. I'm happy with it. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I I think that's a big key is whatever this movie ends up at, you know, it's not going to be a blockbuster. This movie should know in, in no way taints the legacy of Aretha Franklin as a all time, megastar you know the fact that her biopic came out at a a weird time for the movies it didn't have the promotional push it didn't get the reviews it should have that doesn't mean she is less of a star than other musical acts that maybe did better at the box office aretha franklin is a star this movie may not be uh uh uh, bafo uh uh bo but Aretha Franklin is still a star among stars. Sure, and just one last thing to consider is that here you have a famous singer playing an even more famous singer. And so how, how often does that happen where somebody it, it kind of skews it? It's like it's Jennifer Franklin or, or Aretha Hudson. Mm-hmm. It's not quite pure Aretha Franklin like a Get On Up might have been pure uh, imitation of James Brown or Bohemian Rhapsody, a pure imitation of Freddie Mercury because you had non-singers playing the parts that were not known as singers. So that kind of, I think that skewed the interest or the appeal of this movie. That is very true. That's very true. Yes. it's That's interesting. Yeah, because oftentimes people will go to see a movie where they're like, can this actor pull it off? And obviously you had... Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, he was lip syncing, and I guess most of those performances, when it's just an actor, they're 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 not singing the actual songs. But people, I guess, seem to prefer that because they want to see can the actor pull it off. Whereas with Jennifer Hudson, they're like, yeah, she could probably pull it off. Angela Bassett, what's love got to do with it? Yes, yes, very good point. So a little respect there. We gave respect a little respect. Uh, anything else on this past top 10? I mean, Jungle Cruise with a pretty good hold. 42% drop from weekend two to three. It's up to 82.2 million. I mean, I think this is a movie that's going to hit 100 million domestic, even with the day and date PVOD on Disney Plus. So 
uh, that this is to me this is a real good win for the rock and and emma blunt uh i was gonna say emma yes emma blunt emily blunt emily, emily blunt. blunt i don't want to emma would be like if her buddies were not um but yeah this is a win i think for the rock and emily blunt who's gonna have her second hundred million dollar domestic earner of the summer perhaps Right, and all the more remarkable when you consider that Jungle Cruise is the ride you take because the line's too long at Indiana Jones. So yes. maybe this will turn it around and make uh, uh, the Jungle Cruise more popular at the parks as well. So yeah, this is a solid win. And Disney mm-hmm. loves that sort of synergy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know what? Emily Blunt and The Rock, they're not going to get a piece of the increased ridership on the Jungle Cruise, so... You know, that's something for their lawyers to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I don't think they get a kickback because more people are lining up for Jungle Cruise, uh, the ride. But yeah, this is a, I, I think this is going to end up being a pretty good showing for this movie overall. And of course, old, aka hold, another 42% drop this week. It's up to 42.9 million. It's got a chance of getting to 50 domestic. I mean, that this is a, a hit. For that movie, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, Clayton, do we want to move on now to, I would say, the big news story of this past box office week? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, This one is a little tough to say. We were really hoping it wasn't going to happen. There were rumors as we were broadcasting last week with Forbes and Scott Mendelson that Venom, Let There Be Carnage might end up moving off of its original date in mid-September. It was supposed to open up on, let's see, it was supposed to open up on Friday, September 17th. And we were really looking forward to that date as when we would possibly have a $100 million domestic opener. We thought Venom, Let There Be Carnage was going to be the one that makes us all just party again at the box office. But that movie has moved. They are moving it. Sony, the studio behind Venom Let There Be Carnage, has moved it from September 17th to Friday, October 15th, where it will open as of now on the same date as Halloween Kills, which is the sequel to this successful Halloween reboot from a few years ago from David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. And it also opens the same weekend as The Last Duel, which is a Ridley Scott movie for 20th Century starring... Is that the one with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon? Mm-hmm. And Jodie Comer from Free Guy. Wow. So right now, that is the weekend of October 15th. Three huge movies, but, I mean, Venom moving. Uh, let's go to you first, Brandon. A is a surprising and... B, why? Why do you think this has happened? Not not to interrupt, but it actually was going to open the 24th of September. It was moved a week okay. previous. And then so it's even kind of dumber of a yeah, move. They, because they basically moved it three weeks. Yes. Three yeah. weeks further out. I mean, Brandon, what are, what's, your, what's your initial reaction to this? It is surprising, and yet not surprising, because Sony has been doing this a lot with their pictures. They're just jumping around the release schedule trying to find just the right date for the movies. I mean, Peter Rabbit very famously jumped around. Uh, But yeah, I mean, you have 
on the same weekend right now, you have the two October 2018 uh, horror-themed huge hits now going up against each other in October 2021. So uh, that... No one's going to win in this in this matchup. I mean, no. Uh, this is. I mean, Halloween kills. They need to stay where they're where they are because it's Halloween, right? Oh, and Venom. They're in such a tough spot. Yeah, I mean, I I think they're hoping that Halloween flinches and moves to October twenty second, and then pushes. Well, we can get to that, but. <laughs> uh, and then they they had to make room for Hotel Transylvania four as well because that can't stay on October first. I mean, that was crazy to pit that against Adam's Family two which had already staked claim to October 1st. I mean that I mean that's actually a crazier matchup than even Halloween Kills and and Venom because that's right the direct same audience. Um, so so that I guess the rumor is that they're going to put Hotel Transylvania into September which would make more sense give a little breathing room there. Uh, well well the just on that the late breaking rumors today on Hotel Transylvania 4 or that it may be going to streaming, and the the favorite is Amazon Prime. Might be buying the rights to stream Hotel wow. Transylvania on Amazon Prime. So that is late breaking rumors. It's not confirmed, but 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 it has been pulled be... from the schedule. So oh, Hotel wow. Transylvania Four wow. Transformania was previously already pulled from the schedule. Really? Wow. Okay. okay. Wow. So Adam's family. Part two, the animated Adams Family movie, now does have that Friday, October 1st, all to itself. Great. Yes. Perfect. And that makes sense because Amazon bought the Cinderella movie as well. So they must be but they must be forking over big bucks for that Hotel Transylvania based on the success of those first three movies. Uh, right. That 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 is quite the blow. Okay, that's the that's the that's that's not okay. We were hoping for that for the theaters, but okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I could see Brandon. Brandon, we we could hear it in your voice. You are a little flustered by Hotel Transylvania four coming off the box office schedule. It's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, because they that third movie did so well. You'd think they would yeah. keep the train running here, or the, I mean, geez. Yeah. But October fifteenth. The, 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 the thing to remember with those, and we'll get back to Venom. But the thing to remember with this Hotel Transylvania Part Four is no Sandman. Adam Sandler. And also Kevin James are not involved in this movie. So even though there is a world in which you could hide that in the advertising, that may be why Sony is a little hesitant about putting it in the box in the theaters and instead is going to take the payout from Amazon. Because, yeah, these Hotel Transylvania movies have all done Baffa Bobo, but... There is no Adam Sandler this time, so I do kind of get it why they would why they would sell it to streaming and not go into war at the box office. Yeah, wow. But but back to Venom. Let there be carnage. Well, so, my question so, with Venom, yes, is if this is fear because of the Suicide Squad doing poorly. Mm-hmm. I think then that's a misreading of why the Suicide Squad did badly. Yes. So uh, I hope that's not the case because then that would mean the people at Sony are not listening to the Bo Boys, right? They're not on Clubhouse listening to Brendan Gray, right? They're not reading Scott Mendelson. They're not doing their homework. In other words, right. they're not doing right. their homework. The other thing is, if they're worried about the Delta variants, 
what is their expectation of the change in that scenario Mm -hmm. three weeks from the original release? What is going to change? What will change? Because they were initially thinking, you know, we were hearing maybe pushed a couple weeks or maybe pulled off until 2022, Mm -hmm. which I wouldn't want to happen, but would make way more sense to me because then you could at least think things will be different. Right. Or we'll at least know more, or things will have gotten better, whatever. But there's not going to be any significant change in three months. If anything, Pat, because we were talking about this uh, in the hallway, In the, the colder it gets, the worse it could get. Right, right. It's, it's such a weird move. This is the type of ticky-tack move that we were seeing right when the pandemic started in 2020. And you would start to see some things where a movie would be pushed back a month or a couple of weeks. Before things being movies were were pulled fully off the schedule, you were seeing those type of moves where we're pushing Bond back a little bit or we're pushing, you know, and, and it's such a weird move to make now, this far into the pandemic, to be to to be making a move where you push something back three weeks. I agree. This either needed to stay where it was or say it's coming out summer of 2022. And, and I guess one problem, we talked about this with the, the MCU movies, is that Venom is part of this Spider-Man connected universe for Sony. So they've got other movies in the can. They got the what was it the Morbius movie that oh, I would right. guess have to play in some kind of sequence. You know, Venom Let There Be Carnage needs to feed into the next movie, which needs to feed into the movie after that. So you've got this human centipede of movies where they all have to feed and you can't just take the movie that's at the head of the centipede and put it in the middle. Well, wasn't Morbius supposed to come out before Venom? I feel like Morbius, remember, that was going to come out way before Venom, and then it got pushed into 2022. So I don't know if that connective tissue is as strong as the MCU. You're right. You're right. And Brandon, he's right about that, right, Brandon? Morbius, you're right. So... I but don't I know what know. you mean. They they want to put it, and I I do definitely think though they need to put it out before the next Spider Man movie. That yes. might be the big one, right? Because you can maybe move around stuff with Mo- Morbius and move stuff around with Venom. But I think, and I don't know for sure, it makes me think that there's going to be some connection to this Spider Man movie. So right. they maybe want to get it out before the ne- the the next Spider Man, right? Which is going to be pictures- at the end of this year. Sony does have Spider-Man No Way Home opening on December 17th. So, yeah, they probably don't want to move Venom into next year because then that Spider-Man movie you have to move. I, I, I just don't get this move. I don't get it also because opening on September 24th would have given Venom so much more runway after it opened. Because it would have opened September 24th against Dear Evan Hansen, which is a, a much different audience, I would say, than Venom is. And then it would have had that runway where Adam's Family 2 opens the weekend after that, family movie, and then No Time to Die. Now it is, God, October right now is just a war zone. Stacked. Yeah, they had a two-week of space there before No Time to Die. 
Now they're sandwiched between No Time to Die and then Dune and Jackass Forever the next week. And on top of that, going head-to-head with with Michael Myers. Crazy. Mm. Wow. So what do we think this means for Michael Myers, Halloween Kills? Again, that first Halloween reboot that McBride and David Gordon Green put together was such a huge hit. Does this movie stay? Or to me, the two places it could move are, I know, Brandon, you mentioned maybe moving to October 22nd against Dune and Jackass. I could see it going the other... I could see it going two ways, where it either goes to October 1st with the idea of we're going to just own the month of October for the for the Gorehounds, or it could just move to October 29th and go for it with a giant Halloween opening weekend. That's a great point, Pat. They I, October 1st, now looks like a good time for Halloween if they're going to move. But, I mean, do they really have to? I mean, it's it's Venom yeah. is the new guy. I mean, Halloween staked this out long ago, and Sony has this habit of just moving things around the schedule. So right. uh, this is just a, this is going to be an interesting game of chicken. Yeah, because if Halloween so moves, weird. there's no guarantee that Venom will stay where it is. And that's such a prime opening for that Halloween film. And the, so the original opened to $76 million. Domestic box office, 159 Wow. And this trailer, people went gaga for. The yep. Halloween Kills trailer. It looks awesome. We're still psyched. We're not into the, this is the third, fourth, fifth iteration, which these movies always go off the deep end at some point. Well, it's a but, planned trilogy, so that, that makes people, I think, feel comfortable. That yeah, they, and, this... and, and, and we're in good hands with Danny mm-hmm. McBride and Gordon Green. They, they obviously love the franchise. They know what they're doing. They gave us what we wanted. And, yes, people like that Venom film, but, you know, people are – it's it's Shocktober. People are thinking about Halloween. They're thinking about – and I know Venom and Carnage is a horror-esque film, but we know it's not going to be as gory as something like Halloween. And and, and that's why it's, it's – it's, it sucks that these companies should be helping theaters in general and not setting up these issues. They should be wanting everything to do well. And when you are throwing roadblocks in front of other movies, it's not the time to do that. That's that's the, the time to do that is when everybody's fat as a tick. Yes. Right now, everybody's fighting for scraps. So why Sony would throw a wrench into the works this way, and it's not to their benefit. And I don't like think Brendan's, so. Brendan said, I mean, it might just be like we're moving and, and people will get out of our way. And if I'm Halloween Kills, I'm going to say, F you, buddy. Yeah, you know, like you said, Brendan, you're the new kid in town. You find another spot because we're we're gonna promote that this is the movie to see on October fifteenth. And these are pretty fairly evenly matched. I mean, that first Venom Venom opened to eighty, and that last Halloween did seventy six. I mean, both yeah. in October twenty eighteen. This is the rematch, I guess. But uh, it's not like Halloween had a was a small guy back in twenty eighteen. This is this is uh, this is uh, very strange. Uh, they, all I could think of is they're anticipating somebody else moving 
And so mm-hmm. what do you guys think? Do you think Dune is going to stick to this October 22nd? I know there's always been rumblings that oh. people want to see that in theaters and not have this HBO Max thing going on with it because 2022 Warner Brothers is dropping that feature. And, but Dune has nowhere else to go because it has two weeks until the Eternals. And I would say Eternals right. is basically the same audience as Dune or very similar. They're both this sci-fi fantasy stuff that is always, always a tough sell. But but it doesn't help when you have basically the same genre two weeks apart. So <laughs> Wow, uh, so- that's an interesting thought is does Warner Brothers get out of this self-made conundrum that they put themselves in with Dune where the Dune fans do not want this to go to HBO day and date? And obviously the the star, Timothy Chalamet, famously wore the legendary hoodie on Saturday Night Live in front of a live, and we stress this, live Life's- national televised audience. He does not want this to go to Streamo, to HBO Max, day and date. So Warners could use this move of Venom to October to say, unfortunately, the field has gotten too crowded. We're going to have to move Dune a few months out and open it in early 2022 and not put it on HBO Max day and date. They avoid that. They don't have to witness another legendary hoodie on live national television. You know, they, they they get out of that controversy. The problem I see with that is Dune is an Oscar play. It's yes. an awards play. And if you move it out of December, you move it to next year, it's then not eligible for this year's Oscars. So... Yeah, and on top, it's, on it's top of that, there's in March you have the Batman and Doctor Strange in March, so it, it's it's tough. Yeah, I, I and you don't can't know hold it another moves. year to put it into awards contention. It is, Pat, you nailed it because I was going to say that too. If they move this out of, if they move this out of 2021, they yeah. are essentially moving it out of awards contention. Right. Forever, right? Because right. You, 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 if you release it early in in twenty twenty two, it's just not gonna. Rarely does a film do well at the Oscars when it's released that early. Yeah, and they can't hold it for another year because Chalamet. I mean, Chalamet. You know, I know he's not that much of a growing boy anymore, but he could look. You know, he's got the Leo circa titanic look right now he's team beat right now yeah, yeah by 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 the but the if dune is you know held for another year he's gonna look like inception leo yeah but guys right, if right if dune fares poorly at the box office it's not winning any oscars either so right. i don't know right well we'll see what happens yeah it's, although it's, that that that's the thing is though people don't i mean there are a lot of movies that do nothing at the box office and still get consideration, but I do agree with you, Brendan. Like this glitzy and big of a movie, it does rely on the box office more than your smaller, your smaller films like your spotlights and your moon moonlights and things like that. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's it's God. This. I mean, the story of box office. I think of the fall seems to be October. October is just a glut. I mean, the last thing I think we should touch on with this Venom move is 
it turns September into the exact opposite of October. We look at September now, and you've got Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, an MCU movie opening on September 3rd. Like Brandon said, this is the biggest opening, uh, the biggest movie that I think has ever opened on a Labor Day weekend. You know, this is Labor Day weekend is not Memorial Day weekend. It's not known as a box office weekend. It's known as a weekend where a David Spade movie could open up number one in with single digit grossing. You know, that's what Labor Day is about is Labor Day weekend is known as some of the lowest grossing number one openers of all time. Mm -hmm. So you've got this big MCU movie opening this year on Labor Day Friday. But then after that, with Venom having moved out of September, you know, we're looking at uh, there's a, a, an STX entertainment comedy called Queen Pins. Uh, that's opening on September Kristen 10th. With Kristen Bell. There's The Card Counter, which is a Paul Schrader movie for Focus Features. I mean, Paul Schrader, great filmmaker, but his movies are not box office. Um, Cry Macho with, with uh, Clint Eastwood opened September 17th for Warner Brothers. I mean... It's Thin the, Soup. Well, Malignant also opens. That's the James Wan horror film, right? September 10th. Yes, yes. So that but opens still, September still, this is Thin Soup. Yeah, that's, I mean, God, that after Shang-Chi, yeah, Malignant is kind of the biggest potential hit in September. I mean, Dear Evan Hansen, I don't know. It's a, it's a Broadway musical adaptation. I mean, Brandon, what are your thoughts on... You know, and I guess maybe talk directly to the movie theater owners who were looking at September without Venom. I mean, are they in trouble? Are they going to be able to meet their popcorn quotas? Oh, man. I, I'm still reeling over no Hotel Transylvania 4 in September. Oh. Jeez, that's a blow. Uh, you know, it just occurred to me if they did want to give Dune more of a berth, move it to September. Or move it to Christmas wow. and bump Matrix Four into twenty twenty two. So there, you, there you serve both. You serve both masters there, the box office and the awards. If you get Dune oh, in September or Christmas, so and you get. I love that. Yeah, it just has Spider Man at Christmas, but you know it's different. Not exactly the same audience, and, and you get enough space between you and Eternals. Um, just a thought there, and that would help with uh, theater owners if they had a big movie in September. Uh, they're hoping Malignant is like another nun or uh, uh, that kind of thing, and not obviously not it, but... Mm -hmm. So, whew, yeah, September is... Well, the good news is Shang-Chi has a great runway here. And, uh, yeah. and, you know, I think they were very smart to put it on Labor Day because this can easily break the Labor Day weekend record. And so even if it ends up being the lowest grossing Marvel movie, they can point to that fact. We broke the Labor Day weekend record. And so they can right. always say this is a win. Of right. Some kind. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they they could say we're a true number one grocer in a way that David Spade's Dickie Roberts on Labor Day was not a real number one. But Shang-Chi could be that real number one Labor Day craves. I love the idea of drop in Dune in September, and it's the type of movie where the fan base would create so much noise if Warners was to say, guess what, you're getting it a month early. 
I think that buzz online would be deafening. Obviously, tweets are not ticks, but that would get a lot of good mojo. And that idea of moving Dune to December and moving Matrix to next year makes so much sense because Matrix 4, we all hope it's great, but it is not going to be an awards play. And then you could put Matrix in its usual spot, which is the spring, which or, is when we... Or February. That's, right. That seems like right. a great President's Day play. Yes. So we'll see. I mean, it's going to be interesting to follow where the dominoes fall because I do think we're going to see a lot of moves because of what Venom just did. Yes. Yeah. Shame on you, Sony. It's not... It's You did not think this through. Yeah. I, I mean, we'll do some digging and see what the other reasons are. It's just so wild if their main reasoning was the the sort of like COVID variant mm. fear. Because I, I listen, I, I get if that is a reason to move a movie, but it is not a reason to move a movie three weeks. No. And, and, to- and, and like we were saying earlier, confidence is so important in theaters right now, in, in, in this business, and this move shows little confidence and it's not what everybody needs that yeah. that's right clayton and i just want to say this that venom also feels like a president's day movie even more so than matrix 4 i get ghost rider vibes you know that kind of stuff huh yeah i mean daredevil you know uh, their their next move of uh, of venom cannot be another week or two they can't ticky tack this again it, Go bold. it really doesn't need, yeah yeah if they move it again it's got to be february or later for sure. So anything else that, that we need to say about this Venom move, or is it mostly we will follow the story as it moves? I think we'll follow this story as hopefully it doesn't move. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But who knows? Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? So should we bring this home by looking ahead to this upcoming weekend? Yes, let's do it. And we have a, looks like an old-fashioned August dump weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many wide releases. The Night House from Searchlight Pictures, which is a Rebecca Hall horror film. Yep. A, a Conjuring-esque or the Others-esque type movie. This this I saw the trailer. This gives me Others feels. Of course, the Nicole Kidman horror movie from way back, which was a huge hit. Though I don't know if Nighthouse is going to match the others. Uh, then we have Paw Patrol the movie, mm-hmm. which curious that this is coming out now. It feels like a burnoff to me because with all the talk of you know uh, young kids and families not going to the theater because especially very young kids, twelve and under, not going to the theater. It's weird that this be- is being pushed out. Mm-hmm. Then the protege which is a film I just learned about today because Michael Keaton was on the Conan podcast uh, today. This is mm-hmm. a Maggie Q, Michael Keaton action film. Okay. And, and then we have Reminiscence, if I'm saying that correctly, which is a Warner Brothers, HBO Max Day and Date film starring Wolverine himself. Fill in the blank because I can't remember his name at the Hugh moment. Jackman. Hugh so Jackman. So big movie Sorry. star. It's a it's a big it's a movie star movie. I just want to quickly go back to Paw Patrol the movie. This 
like you said, is an interesting one. I mean, this is such a big IP for the rats. And we always say the rats need their cheese. And this is very popular brand of cheese, this Paw Patrol. And this is a debut on the big screen for the Paw Patrol. They, they've never been seen this way. They've never been seen this large. And I do have information from one of our Hollywood insiders, Deep Popcorn. I, I, I was speaking this. to him just yesterday. And Deep Popcorn did tell me that he himself will be taking his child to her first movie next week. And that movie is Paw Patrol the movie. Shocking. Yeah. So this is obviously he didn't have information on larger trends. But this is a person who is embedded inside the business and... I think even just as a single anecdote, it is telling that this IP is so big that variants be damned, end of summer be damned. The rats may really want this cheese. So I don't know. Paw Patrol, Brandon, what do you think? Is Paw Patrol a, a movie we're potentially sleeping on by throwing it in this mix of other burnoffs? Well, you're right. You can't count out the rats needing their cheese um mm-hmm. that's for sure but i uh, i think they would rather gnaw at free guy uh i don't what is the age of that i not to get too many details on deep popcorn but what is the age of their kid it, a a, a four-year-old i do think paw patrol plays very young paw mm-hmm, patrol exactly. is you know like masha the bear level it's just a lot of uh, you know, not not a not a lot of intricate dialogue and storytelling. I think it's more about the images, more about the fact that they are dogs who have jobs, mm. and and probably not. It's definitely not as old skewing as a Tom and Jerry. And they're not doing you know, a Dora this a, with this, uh, where they aged up Dora the Explorer. They're not doing that. No, I I think the I think these are very direct representations of what the TV series is. You know, th- this is not a situation where they've cast real life dogs as the Paw Patrol. These you're you're getting what you pay for on the cartoon, which sometimes that type of movie explodes. Yes. Yeah, but- and we're just to look real quick at we're lo- I'm looking at Box Office Pro and the estimated location count for Paw Patrol is only 2007 700 gotcha. theaters. So the the ceiling for this is ki- is kind of low, and they're saying anywhere from four to nine million as an opener. Gotcha. So here's what we'll do, because these are four releases that I think feel like burnoffs. They feel very much like you said, Clayton, late August. So you got Nighthouse, a horror movie, Rebecca Hall, Paw Patrol, the movie, Protege, the action movie, with Michael Keaton, Reminiscence, a Warner Brothers movie with Hugh Jackman. I'll throw to you first, Brandon, two questions. Do any of these movies break double digits? Do any of these movies hit 10 million? And of these four, which one opens highest and which one bombs the hardest? Wow, tough question here. Uh, the Nighthouse does have an excellent stand-in in the movie theaters with the shadow. Uh, kid, People just mm-hmm. want to go up there and place their hand on the shadow of uh, Rebecca Hall, uh, looking at herself as like red and gray. And I don't know if you've seen the stand in for the night house, but that's all I know about the movie. Quite frankly, I have not seen the trailer and I I have seen the trailer for protege. You know, I, 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 I think, I think all of these pictures will struggle to, 
go over 10. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I, you know, I could be wrong, but uh, it, this does like Clayton and, and you were saying this stuff definitely seems like a late, late summer burnoff. And, and you have four of these movies. So uh, yeah, I think the studios might be thinking that as well. Yeah. Um, I think out of these four, Paw Patrol might be the only one that gets the double digits. If the rats really pour out of the sewers this weekend going after their cheese, I think the protege, which is that Lionsgate Michael Keaton action movie, that to me feels like the, as much as we love Michael Keaton, you know, uh, amazing actor. Hopefully he's got multiple Oscars in his future. Action star is, is, you know, not really what people know him from. Obviously, the Batman movies, but that's different. I, I think that is the burniest off of the burn-offs of those four. That is going to really struggle. Um, yeah, I mean, he did have American Assassin. But I as, don't think that did that well. That was an action film. But yeah, again, well. like I, I would have to say I agree with you, Pat, that the one that could break out is Paw Patrol. Mm-hmm. I also think uh, reminiscence. I just think uh, it, those kind of sci-fi type films never do well. And especially the fact that you could stay home and watch it. Yeah. I don't think that film's going to do well. I could see the, I could see the night house outperforming reminiscence mm-hmm. just purely in the fact that it is a, it, it, the horror heads may come out for it. Yeah. yeah Although not. it is, Reminiscence is opening way wider. I still, I just have a feeling that Hugh Jackman is popular as Logan, a.k.a. Wolverine, and in musicals. He is not popular in really anything else other than maybe Real Steel. He did do yeah, very well in Real and Steel. Those are now three qualifiers. I mean, I think Hugh Jackman is a, is a movie star, but... Movie stars have movies that people don't care about, and this is probably one of them. Nobody can save these weird light sci-fi film, like Blade Runner esque films, the mm-hmm. like watered down Blade Runner. It's I don't think people want these films. Yeah, I think it might boil down to which picture has the clearer premise here, and I, I think the Night House, being a supernatural thriller, uh, might be easier for people to grasp onto and, and understand, and just what people like that i mean supernatural horror movies uh, typically open well and uh and also going back to the protege it's a little bit confusing to have michael keaton as the star when i think it's about the maggie q character at least i was confused a little bit about that but mm-hmm. and I, I did say american assassin did pretty well it opened to 14.8 but it crashed after that but 14.8 was i think was a good number for that picture i don't see the protege yeah. doing anywhere near that but uh it's interesting to see i you know these four movies ah whatever <laughs> I think yeah. exactly. I it's, think that's what most people's response is: is whatever. It's like if you drop five pieces of uh, food on the floor, which one do you want to eat? Right. It's like right. I- I'm still eating something off the floor here. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, as far as do we want to just quickly go around and just do some predicted top fives? Uh, Clayton, I'll go to you first. Do you have a predicted? top five for this upcoming weekend august 20th oh geez okay so free guy i think number one yep slam doink and number two i'm gonna go uh, you know i'm gonna go big or go home i'm gonna say paw patrol yep uh 
gets it. And then I'm going to say, geez, what is next? There's just so many newbies. I I, I think then three, I think staying strong at three is going to be Jungle Cruise. Yeah. And then I'm going to say Reminiscence. Okay. And then, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to say Nighthouse, then Reminiscence. Why not go big? I mean, I'll tell you, that would be my exact top five is other than I think, I think don't, I think Reminiscence bombs so hard that even Don't Breathe somehow ends up as number five. But I I agree. I think it is definitely Free Guy, then The Night House. Then I'm sorry, Free Guy, then Paw Patrol, then Jungle Cruise, then the Night House. I think that is to me, I agree that's a top four. Brandon, do you see it any differently? I think what you would guys be are, your predicted I think you guys are pretty close. I mean it's 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 basically free guy and then massive drop to the next one. So all of these yeah. movies are gonna be grouped in the same range. Uh, yeah. Know, Don't Breathe 2 is going to have a massive drop, but, you know, it's even still, it might stay in the top five based on this. Jungle Cruise should should be solid. And so that's just the question is, do these other pictures, do any of these new movies do over $5 million effectively? Right. And, and right. Uh, which one has the best shot of it? Uh, Paw Patrol has the brand recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, ironically, Reminiscence is very forgettable. I, uh, the yeah. Night House. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's a toss-up, man. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the interesting thing to look for is, I think then there's an outside chance that these four movies bomb so hard that Jungle Cruise gets to number two. That would be a story. Mm-hmm. You know, that Jungle Cruise it made nine point one million last week, had dropped forty percent. So if it has another forty percent drop, we're looking at a movie that maybe makes five million next weekend and is five million enough to hold off all four newcomers we all agree don't breathe two is dropping like a rock so it's sort of jungle cruise versus the field for number two so maybe jungle cruise number moves to number two which would be a nice story to talk about next week we'll see and respect for respect that might that could that could potentially be in the mix as well yeah yeah i mean there is a chance all four of these movies tank so hard that it's all holdovers and at least the top three or four, but we will see. So before we go, Brandon, if you want to plug again, clubhouse and box office revival, uh, how, how are people able to go from listening to the BO boys to finding this show on clubhouse or do they need to be invited? What is, what is the deal right now for your just, Average uh, wannabe old boy, wannabe old girl, wannabe old person. Person. Right. Well, great question. Yeah, I know. Originally, Clubhouse was invite only, but now it's open to everybody. So anybody can come. You don't need an invite anymore. Uh, but when you, if you do sign up for Clubhouse and get on the app, I just just search for Box Office Revival in, and you'll find the club and then just join the club, become a member, and then you'll get all the alerts to when we have shows. That's awesome. And like I said, you know, I've been busy the last few weeks being celebrated for my birthday, but I am going to I am going to be knocking on that clubhouse door real soon and looking forward to talking some box office revival. Me me as well. I'm going to make a return appearance hopefully this Sunday as well. 
Um, and then other things, of course, is go read our Substack, theboboys.substack.com. You know, we've got new stuff coming very soon. So get excited, sign up, you'll get emails there. And of course, email us, theboboyspodcast at gmail.com. A lot of great emails there all the time. Obviously, Austin has just been killing it. The person, not the city, he's been killing it the last few weeks with some amazing emails that we've had to read on air. So uh, get in there. You know, we got a lot of movie competition in October, all these movies duking it out. Go duke it out with Austin in terms of trying to get your email read on the show, the Podcast at gmail.com. And so Clayton, I think we've done it. We definitely have done it. And there's nothing left to say except no. for till next time. We'll, we'll smell, smell you at the box office. Nailed it. Nailed it. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you, guys. <laughs>